2: welcome back to another episode of within the lines coming at you on wednesday september 29th 2021 happy birthday to riley i love you oh happy birthday riley i didn't i didn't know that i'm a texter today we are reviewing the musical turned film blockbuster film dear evan hansen bingo i went go ahead sorry just star-studded cast yeah very star-studded i didn't know that going into it Uh, we could touch on that after the break but i will say i've seen this on broadway not to brag um, not with the original cast, so I can't brag that much. But I've seen this on Broadway. I've now seen it in film rendition in Arizona um, at the mall that you have been to, the Arizona Mills Mall. Nice. We went to that movie theater. Um, and you know, I got a, I got a, I don't want to say unique perspective. I'm not the only person in the world who's ever seen this, but I got a different perspective than you. Yeah, it'll be good to talk about it because I've never seen the play. You have that two different views on what is not getting great reviews of a movie. And I'd like to point out that you went to the movie theaters by yourself to watch this. Yeah, I just want to open. We'll talk about it after the break. We're... We'll... Let's, Let's get in the 60% show.
1: 60% of the time, it works. Every time. Don't
2: say What? Did we just become best friends. Yep. I
1: don't so good. Ah! I'm not fucking leaving. Ah! Ah! Yeah.
2: Go All right, Ty. So you went and saw this by yourself on a Tuesday night, <sighs> wearing a jacket, looking yep. like you're gonna do bad things to the movie theater. Nope. Um, that's I, that's a big oof for you. Look. look, we started this pod, and I was like, yeah, let's start a pod. Let's talk about fun, cool bitch and Marvel shit. You know, we'll talk about sports before they are split up. Like, let's just let's just have fun and do you know, talk about the cool shit and hang out with my bud. That, that somehow has transitioned to me going to the movies alone to watch a musical. And I just don't know where we made that turn. <laughs> and I'm just like tracing my steps to figure out what happened. Um, commitment to the pod, though. Victoria couldn't go. It was going to be too late for her if we went. And I said, you know what? I got to watch it. I'm yeah. going again on Saturday so she can watch it. Really? Yeah. I'm going to watch this twice. I'm going to watch this twice. But you're also, what about Venom? I want to watch that on Sunday. All right. um, <laughs> it's a commitment to the pod, Jay. If I wasn't out of town, you know, could have maybe third wheeled with me and Riley or something. Yeah. But it is what it is. All right. You know, I, I did what I had to do. There was like seven of us in the theater. It was fine. I will say, so I was in Phoenix. Um, I have a little personal story to tell. It's not really movie related, but you know what? This is our main pod, fuck so I'm going a, I'm to a get personal. tell me, Jay. So we went to Phoenix for kind of just like a birthday trip for Riley and I. We've already been to Phoenix twice. It wasn't anything new. We only went because... Um, the Dodgers were in town and I have been to chase field before when I was like seven years old. Riley has not Riley is now Riley is up to 13 stadiums. I'm at 14. Can you guess the only stadium Riley hasn't been to that I've been to angels, angel stadium. It seems like a funny <laughs> the, one. The closest one to her is the only <laughs> one she hasn't been to. And I told her I'm never taking her there until it's her number 30. Cause I don't want to be tied with her. I always want to have that one little extra Nah, Fuck that. Well, she said, she's like, I'll just go to a game with Tom Victoria. Then we bought her tickets for tonight. <laughs> $3. Are they, I mean, I believe that was There's shit. The, yeah, this, all September. It was like every ticket's $3. Wait, we're not. we are not even at home right now. Never mind. Um, so we are in Phoenix. Chase Field. It's all right. Um, it looks really nice. It's all right. There was three fights in the bleachers that we were sitting in. That's because you're at a Dodger game. Um, so that was fun. There was also this guy with his two daughters slash sisters. I don't know if they were daughters or sisters. So I got up so the the left field it's bleachers it's like actual bleachers i don't know you've sat in the dodger right field pavilion where it's just like numbers and just the benches yeah it's just kind of like a an honor system yeah and we were first row and there was two seats open next to us and i got up to get food or whatever i got up to do and i heard him he was a few rows behind us he was sitting in someone's seat he gets up or someone gets there and he's like oh these are your seats and they're like yeah you got to move And he's like, oh, well, is there any room for us to squeeze in here? Like, he was just trying to get in the fucking bleachers wherever he could. So I'm guessing he bought, like, fucking nosebleeds and was finessing the system. Because they didn't have, like, the ushers stopping people, at least where we were. I mean, no one gives a fuck about Giants games this late in the season. Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, that's what I meant. So I get up. I do whatever. Riley texts me. He's now sitting by us. I was like, oh, fucking great. And I was like, well, like, ask him. like, you know." Or she said, like, oh, my boyfriend's coming back. And he was like, oh, don't worry. We have seats six, seven. Or seven, eight, nine, and I was like, "No, we have seat nine and ten. Like, there's only two seats next to me. There's three of them." I didn't end up saying anything. I was very squished, um, mostly because he had a little girl with him, and the little girl got a baseball, and she seemed like she was having the time of her life, and he wasn't being obnoxious or anything. So I just kind of let it be. This is a giant pain in the ass. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I was gonna say something. I told Riley, "I was like, I'm gonna handle it. Don't worry. Like, I'm a big old badass." And I get there, and it's a little girl, and she's all excited. And I was just like, fuck, man, I can't ruin that for her. <laughs> um, but I was being very obnoxious and, like, spreading my legs. So, like, the teenage girl that was next to me, like, she kept complaining about how squished she was. And I didn't give a shit. I was like, There's nah, not yeah. your seats. You should move then. Um, that wasn't my story, though. I just wanted to explain Chase Field to everyone. Fuck yeah. My story, Ty. So, we on our way there, we stopped in Palm Springs, got some lunch. Oh, fucking, I hate Palm Springs so much. Um, Went to a Peruvian place, got some uh, saltado, some some chicken saltado. It was delicious. What is that? It's uh, so it's like grilled chicken with all their special proven seasonings. I don't know. Okay. And it comes with uh, like grilled onions, like strips of onions, some grilled tomatoes. And so they serve that on top of a bed of French fries. And so the French fries absorb all like the meat juice. And then you also have rice. So it's rice, French fries, and the meat with all their seasonings, the onions, the tomatoes. They also have this like green cilantro sauce that they make. Delicious. You pour it on it. It's my favorite meal of all time. Um, they also gave <laughs> us a soup before that was like probably the best soup i've ever had you would like it it's just like a cilantro and chicken soup mm. Have you ever had the meatball soup from la casita i think yeah so it it's like the, that the with, right? yeah it's like that with chicken it's just better it, it was fantastic um so i'm gonna try to make it one day invite me over anyway so we had that we're driving you know we're, we're getting ready i was like i gotta go stop and get some gas and i was a little gassy <laughs> and you know i i tried letting out a silent but deadly tie and Did you I, shit yourself on the way to Arizona? And I sharted. <laughs> I sharted. And I was like, Riley, we have a code red. We have a code brown. I sharted. I only brought two pairs of underwear because we we're only going for two days. <laughs> I was like, we need to stop. Like, this is bad. Like, I, I think I was like, it could just be like a, like a, it didn't actually come all the way out and it's just sitting there. Or it could be a real shart. <laughs> Sorry to the listeners. It's kind of graphic. Um, and she's like, okay, she's laughing at me. She's fucking talking shit. So we pull up to a home goods and I stand up to get out of the car and I have a shit stain on my shorts from your shorts. Yes. It went through the underwear, hit the shorts and Riley just started busting up laughing, dude. And I had to pull out, I pulled out my basketball shorts from the freaking suitcase. I had to pull out an extra pair of underwear. Um, and then she had your actual, uh, the wedding jacket on her sweater. It was like the little thin jacket Victoria gave her for the wedding. And I had to tie that around my waist and walk into Home Goods And I had Riley's purse because that's where my clothes were in. So I'm all holding Riley's purse with the fucking sweater tied around my waist. She went in, too, to go shopping. And I had to go into the men's bathroom, time it up where I could change my shorts when no one was in there in the stall. Um, did that. Had to time it when no one was in there, you know, to hurry out of the stall. And I just threw away all the, the shorts in the Yo, you, Yeah, you burned I just, those. I, <laughs> I, I ejected. Um, so I'm now down one pair of gray shorts. I'm down a pair of underwear. Um, it was a great start to the weekend. I've never shit myself. <laughs> I hear stories. I like. How do you not know something's gonna come out of your asshole? <laughs> it was a shark. You don't have the reflexes to catch it, dude. I, I got some stomach issues. Okay, sometimes my poops aren't great. That's not. That's not fun.
1: Yeah, so that's
2: unfortunate. You lost those shorts. And Riley was busting up laughing. It was a great start to the weekend for her. I'm <laughs> sure. She just kept making fun of me. And you were just down and yep. underwear and pants. Had to go to a fucking home goods and change. That's awesome. Yeah, as soon as that happened, that's when I texted you. I was like, Tyler, I need to tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> it was really embarrassing. Thank you for that. I needed that. I went to a KISS concert. How's that? It was fun. It was, was a lot at, of fun. Where was that? Uh Chula Vista. Oh, that looked like um Glen Helen. I thought it was Glen Helen. Yeah, it was Helen. real similar setup. I was like, dang, I didn't know KISS like I didn't know Glenn Helen like got that kind of people. Nah, they didn't. There was a big festival in Glen Helen though, so that's why I also thought like there was a shit ton of cars the other weekend. Like I don't know if it was a rock concert festival or whatever, but no, yeah, we went to La Vista. It was fucking Kiss. They're ancient. Couldn't yeah, how tell. How did they sound? They oh. sounded fucking great. Played great. I was blown away. It was a very fun show. Any lip syncing you think or no? No, they're they're singing. The one main guy, um, obviously Kiss wears like the face paint and shit. Like that's their thing. Gene Simmons? No, Gene Simmons is the bass player. Um, it's Paul Stanley. Gene Simmons is just the bass player? Well, he sings some of the songs, but yeah, he's the bass How is player. He's he not like the, the, the least famous one. Um, he does the tongue uh, thing where he's got the really long tongue. Okay. Chicks dig that. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, no, the main guy, Paul Stanley, he's like the singer. I, apparently, he was born without a right ear. Wow, he's like Beethoven. He was like a birth defect. Didn't mm-hmm. know that. Whenever he talked, he sounded like the fucking Joker not singing and the fact that he was in full face paint did not did not match up well with how he talked it was it was hard for me to get over because he would talk in between songs like talk to the crowd and i just was getting full fucking joker what, which vibes. joker are we talking are we talking Heath ledger joker I don't, even, it, I don't even i don't even know own joker yes <laughs> it was incredible um, the show was a lot fun who ended up going with you guys because i know your dad had two extra tickets no one no everyone was fucking busy it was last minute so I saw that because your dad posted on Facebook, like, two extra tickets, and I thought you guys flaked. I was like, motherfuckers. Like, we said if you weren't going to the concert, we were going to hang out. But, no, I was going to that shit. That yeah. was uh, Daniel, who had COVID. Oh. Yeah. Is he vaccinated? Uh, yeah. No, yeah, I think he is. How's he feeling? No, he's actually very – has very strong feelings about non-vaccinated people, surprisingly. Well, why surprisingly? He doesn't strike me as, like, an anti-vaxxer. No, but he's very, very, like, fuck – doesn't he have, isn't his kid, am I just making this up? What? Doesn't he have someone immun- immunocompromised in his family, or am I just making this up? I. He's got old parents. I do I, I, Just making this up then. Okay. How's he and feeling? Then, what? How's he feeling? Don't know. Okay. Well, I'm assuming fine. Okay. And then Destiny decided to not take the day off of work like an idiot. Nice. Yeah, she's just stupid. Where'd she work? The Grind, coffee place. She could fucking get a day off at a coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, she could have. She just didn't ask for the day off and was like, oh, they scheduled me. Wow. I had a great time. My Uncle Tim didn't want to go. He was doing something, said they're going somewhere. I don't fucking know. All right. It was fun, though. Did they play uh, Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day? They ended with it. That's the only Kiss song I know, so I'm glad they ended with that. Was like the confetti and lights, and it was pretty sick. Was the music by Kiss better than the music in Dear Evan Hansen, though? Let's talk about it. <laughs> Do you have a synopsis for us? (sighs) I sure did. I don't know where I fucking went. Evan Hansen is an anxious, isolated high school student who's aching for understanding and belonging amid the chaos and cruelty of social media age. He soon embarks on a journey of self-discovery when a letter he wrote for a writing exercise falls into the hands of a grieving couple whose son took his own life. Yes. Dear Evan Hansen. Yes, so this is based Uh, off the Broadway play. Cruelty of the social media age. Was he ever, like, social media bullied? I'm sure that's kind of implied, yeah. It's not ever on screen, though. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the idea, though. He's like this self-isolated kind of... I mean, I guess they don't specifically say cyberbullied. He's just... This is the social media age. And Mm -hmm. he is struggling through it. So that's fair. Yeah, and um, yeah, they, they utilize, like, the whole social media age and the actual uh, set play with, like, they have different screens that are supposed to represent, like, phones and all this other stuff. Now, I didn't do any research. When was this play originally made? Like, is this, like, a, like a, like a 08? Is this, like, no, a No, 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 no. It's not that old. I think it's probably around fourteen, fifteen. Okay. Um, right around the same time as... We were still as, in high school. Right around the same time as um, Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken. Um... Because when I saw it, we, when we saw it on Broadway, that was 2019 and it wasn't the Broadway cast anymore, but it was still relatively new. It opened, um, December, 2016. So actually after we graduated shit, um, after the show's world premiere at the arena stage in Washington DC in July, 2015 and an off Broadway production at second stage theater from March to May of 2016. So originally then debuted on Broadway, December, 2016, um, it was nominated for nine awards at the 71st Tony's, winning six, including Best Actor in a Leading Role, Ben Platt, Best Featured Actress in a Musical for Rachel Bay Jones, Best Musical, and Best Score. Um, oh, wow. The film ad- adaptation was co-produced by uh, Mark Platt, the father of Ben Platt. Oh, his dad produced it? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. And, like, when we went, like I said, it wasn't the original cast. There was one original person, the dad, that was in the original who is not a stepdad, by the way, if you see this film. Um, it was the same guy. Oh, he was the dad in the play? At least that's what Riley told me. Okay. Ben well, Ben Platt as well is Evan Hansen. I don't know if you knew that, Jack. No, and when we saw the play, sorry. <laughs> oh, just for your screening, yeah. that guy made it. Yeah, he was still there. He wasn't one of the original cast guys, but he ended up Yeah. making the movie. Yeah, according to Riley. Okay. Um, there was only best of my knowledge there was only one person and that was Ben Platt but I asked Riley I was like was there any like because there were some smaller roles like when they sang the you will be found there was like that blonde girl who had like one like line where she pretty much just sang the chorus but it was by herself and I was like oh was that maybe the original like a little nod to the original cast yeah. that come in help us sing a song is that the original like Zoe or something or I don't know um, fun fact Jay did you know Ben Platt uh could have won an eat well could win an egot just for the role of Dear Evan Hansen if he gets an Oscar for this. Really? Yeah. you want a Tony for this? Oh, yeah. Uh, or not a Tony, uh, uh, any? I, I've been doing the research. I don't know how, but yes. I've got to imagine it was some TV, TV production of it or... Wow. Ben Platt could EGOT with Dear Evan Hansen movie. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb. He's not going to EGOT. I would agree with that. But the fact that he could win a, almost an EGOT for one fucking role, <laughs> that's wild. Already won an Emmy, Grammy, and Tony for his role as Dear Evan Hansen in the Dear Evan Hansen musical. I don't understand how he won an Emmy. So Grammy, he won a Grammy for for Best Musical Theater Album. Tony is... Daytime Emmy Awards, Outstanding Musical Performance in a Daytime Program. So he performed a Dear Evan Hansen song on the Today Show. show. (laughs) I mean... It counts. <laughs> that's a hustle, bro. It counts. That's a fucking. Hustle. He said, i won an Emmy without ever actually being in a scripted TV series." <laughs> I'm just.
1: He was fucking also pitch
2: perfect. Did you know that? This act—that's actually what I knew him from. Oh, I. See he was it. like the—he was like the outcast, weirdo, ma- magician kid in that. Okay. Similar role to the Evan Hansen outcast kind of vibe. Okay. Everyone's out partying. He's inside doing magic. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go on a limb and say he's not gonna win an Oscar i agree um but i don't know i mean music though like isn't there an oscar for like best original best adapted song i don't know <laughs> i don't think there's adapt i think there's best original screen or best original score or whatever best original song i don't know if any of these were original any of the good ones were original i'm trying to look at a list of all the awards okay so there's best is this really it Best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, supporting, we all know this, animated feature, animated short, best cinematography, costume design, documentary feature, short, documentary short subject, best film editing, international feature film, live action short film, makeup and hairstyling, best original score, best original song, best sound, best production design, best visual effects, best adapted screenplay. I don't think it's going to win that. I don't think it will uh, either. <laughs> it's getting screenplay. shit on my critics. Um, can it win Best Original Song? Because it is an original song. What song? Like, this the Dear Evan Hansen songs. Does this count as original? No. it's got to be made for the movie. Mm. It can't be, you know, the first time. Like, it's got to be from Gotcha. this production. First time it's ever released is for this movie. To my understanding. Now, this isn't going to happen, um, obviously. If Dear Evan Hansen wins Best Picture, does that count for Ben Platt? Or does it have to be a solo award? i don't know either i feel like it would count yeah i have no he's idea, the though. star of a best picture yeah good question so he is not going to win an, uh, an oscar because no. the only yeah, thing he possibly so. could he doesn't um qualify for there are special categories he can win the irving g thalberg memorial Award. <laughs> <laughs> who the f- i don't even know who that is um it's to sarah it's Create, for creative producers who bodies of work reflect a consistently high quality of motion picture production dear evan hansen though it was an <sighs> adapt adapted musical you're a musical guy ty you've seen uh hamilton yeah the the recorded and uh the play at the pantages fuck yeah you've seen it's the only one i've seen in person hairspray maybe the film. yeah no I, I think i saw that grease i don't know if you've seen grease nope. um yeah i've seen cats Nope. What's that one (laughs) shitty one that we reviewed? The the Prom? The Prom? I've seen The Prom. Hated it. Seen it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I gave that a 70 originally. Jingle Jangle, Christmas Musical. We reviewed that. Looking back on that, I don't know how that got as high of a score as it did, because I did not really enjoy that movie. I mean, you gave us five points lower than me. Plot slash story tie, what did you give this? Okay, so here's my... uh, it hurts my brain to think about this. Cause there's a lot of this story that I really like and there's a lot to this story that I really do not like. Okay. And I'm just well, so divided. Well, uh, before you give a score, why don't you elaborate on that? So the story follows Evan Hansen. He has, you know, this this project of writing to himself to to, you know, like start his day and help build his confidence and set goals. And so he writes this thing, he prints it out. And this other kid who's obviously struggling, kind of going through shit, you see scenes of it, sees it, and part of the thing with Evan Hansen, it's like, his thing was to be optimistic and he kind of had a shit day, so it was super negative. Yep. Um, And then he mentioned the guy's sister in it. Yep. And he's like, oh, you did this to fuck with me, takes his letter and goes and kills himself. Yeah. With the letter in his pocket. Yeah. Addressed, dear Evan Hansen. So when his parents, I, I want to, like, I, he didn't, I don't think he killed himself particularly because of the letter, it was a lot of things built up. It was up a lot of was, things, but it was also like, you're going to try and make me look crazy. Yeah. And it was like, kind of like the last straw, it seemed yeah. like, where yeah, it yeah. was like, everyone fucking hates me. Even this kid who's, you know, weird. Yeah. yeah. It's trying to make me snap and look like a weird. Shirt. That's mean, but yeah. Um, And so he goes, kills himself. Parents find the letter in his pocket addressed dear Evan Hansen. And so he goes over to their house for dinner because they assume he's a friend. Yeah. And he lies, and he just completely fabricates their entire friendship and tells fake stories to this family mm-hmm. and to the sister, um, who he obviously has a thing for prior to any of this.
1: Yeah. Bless you, Jay. Thank you.
2: Um, and he lies, and he just fabricates their entire relationship and friendship and uses it to become, like, part of the family because his mom's always gone. He doesn't have a family. Yep. And he basically creates this false image of their son brother to in order to like replace him in their family. I don't think it was just to replace him. I also think there was a little bit of like he's trying to help he was he sees it, how much it, it meant to the mom and Absolutely, know. but also he's using it for his self fucking gain too because he sings a whole song about how his brother noticed his sister and it's actually a love song. Yeah. And it's just weird as shit. <laughs> it's like this is a love song, but I'm gonna it's from your brother. <laughs> like I it's weird. And so there's so much of it where I like, I, you know, I like that. I think that's the point though, is to be a little,
1: yeah, the the subject matter. Like
0: it's so mean.
2: Yeah. He's a fucked up Ty. And it's like, he's he's trying to do the right thing, but he does. It's so fucked. Like this is like, he's fucked up. You're right. This is a terrible thing to do. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm not. I mean, that's, it, I don't think it's trying to pass it off as a good no, thing. No, no, but, like, I, I just don't know how to feel about it because so much of it is, like, you know, there's emotional moments and how these people feel about the brother and who he was, and it's fake. It's all fake and made up. Well, I would like, hope... Like, none of them had a connection with this kid, and Evan Hansen just creates this false image of him. Well, I would hope that the fact that they don't patch it up, you would appreciate. What do you mean? Like, there was no forgiving... Like, they didn't – I mean, they they didn't hate the kid. There was the end scene where they're at the orchard. But, you know, Zoe didn't forgive him and, like, you know, fall back in love with him whatever. She just said, like, I wish we would have met before and, like, walks away, like, see a bitch. Um, You know, there wasn't any – it ends – there's none of that Hollywood ending where it's, like, he redeems himself and everyone forgives him. And it's just kind of like this is a story. You know what I mean? I don't know. I I don't – I like the story, so – I think, yes, it's obviously fucked up what he did. I'm like, and it's a very weird story to tell, but like, I don't know. You look at a big picture, like you're telling the story of this character who's fucking, you know, deals with a bunch of anxieties and like, you know, doctor prescribed issues that he's taking medication for. And he's never been accepted in his life. He doesn't have a dad, which I don't, he didn't have a dad in the play, but I don't know if they addressed it as much as they did here. His mom's always gone. You know, he fucking hates himself. He tried killing himself too off the tree. Yeah. Um, you know, and he kind of stumbles into this thing. He tries getting out of it at first, but the mom, you know, it's the the different ways of grieving. The mom's just like, no, no, no. Like, you know, kind of won't, you know, won't accept that. And then he just kind of keeps going along with it, going along with it. And he's stuck in a situation where he's in way deeper than he thought. And then his ass gets a little comfortable and he starts dating the sister and he, you know, and that's when it all unravels. But I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't know. And my other thing is like, they portray him early in the film as like, Physically not able to talk to Zoe. Yeah. Like, incapable of it. And then, very shortly after, has an entire elaborate scheme of lies that he's communicating to people and holding on to. Like, what do you mean? So, like, he can't even fucking talk to people to start. Yeah. And then, as the movie progresses and he meets the family, not only does he have no issue talking to Zoe and the family, he can make up these entire fucking lies that someone who has anxiety and shit would be able to hold on to and keep going. Like, well, he was. It's he hard. Was anxious to, it's just to talk to them, but if you like the song, all the lies he made up was just kind of piggybacking off of what they told him. Yeah, I know. hundred yeah. percent, and like the false story of him breaking his arm and shit, yeah. like adding him to that. But like the way it goes about it, to where because I don't know how in the musical it happens, just in the movie, he is like unable to communicate whatsoever and has fucking crippling anxiety.
1: Yeah,
2: and then just goes on this string of incredibly thought-out, elaborate lies and a full fucking project that he's the you know, sponsor of and everything, and very much in the spotlight and lying about it. And it just seems like they either over-portrayed his anxiety or it makes it seem like he's just like, hey, I don't have that anymore, it's not useful to the plot. I don't know, I mean, think about his the speech he gave and how anxious he was for that and how he didn't want to do it originally and everything, and then he does it and he's all panicking and he falls on the floor and he fucking... No, oh, yeah, 100%. And I think part of it is he gained confidence from this because he finally actually did have somewhat of a support system and everything. Um, Yeah, maybe. It's just the jump to it was very quick to me. To where he cannot talk, and now he's in fucking neck deep in these lies. And, yeah, it was best friends with your dead son. (laughs) I gave it a 14. I liked it. I also gave it a 14. (laughs) Because, overall, I I did like it. Like, and the issues I have with it, the good outweighs the bad. Mm. It's just, it hurts. This movie hurts my brain to fucking think about. Cause there's so much I really like and so much I really don't like. And it's finding where it fucking lies in between as the overall collective. All I got to say is when I saw this on Broadway, not brag. And when I saw this (laughs) in the theater, both times I just like, it's very emotional um, and not even so much like you admitted to me before we recorded that you cried. Oh yeah. Um, I started tearing up a little bit. I didn't. Riley bawled her eyes out when they did the, you will be found just like she did in the theater. Um, worse in the theater. Um, the, the, the musical theater. I just have to clarify there. <laughs> the stage. <laughs> um, no. And it's just like, it's a very, it's almost like peanut butter falcony a little bit where peanut butter falcons more feel good and everything, but it's like one of those emotional things that just like touches you. You know what I mean? Like. I was just thinking about, like, I was thinking about all the ways I could have been maybe a better person, like, in high school and shit. And I think, overall, I was mostly kind to everyone and, like, because we had people, we grew up very similar to this. And, shit, you and I did things with people similar to this in baseball, you know, that made people's years, hopefully, you know. I don't know if you remember the story. I don't want to get into detail. Um, But I still feel like I could have done more. And, like, it just makes me think of, like, when I raise kids, how I want to raise them. And so if I found out my kid was, like, a bully, dude, I'd bully the fuck out of him. Oh no, yeah, that, my son would be getting swirled every day when he, and I'm sure that would just make the problem worse because then he's expressing his anger at school, not at home. But I just keep doing it until he stopped. Um, I don't know. It just, it just makes you like think and reflect and feel, and because it's a it's a really real thing. I mean, there's a lot of mental. I don't want to say a lot of mental issues, but there's a lot of stuff you know in the population. A lot of people, and there's just a stigma around it, you know. And getting rid of that stigma is important. So. I, I gen I agree with what like you're saying. I don't love how they handled it in this movie in a way. It felt, again, I when we started. I don't know if that we were recording or not. I asked if this came out in like oh eight or twelve. Yeah, we were recording. I, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> it feels like it's slightly outdated on how they approach it. Now I told you I, in a moment of vulnerability for the pod. I told you I cried three times this week at three different uh, pieces of media. Yeah. All of them having to do with suicide, mm-hmm. um, which real bummer. I'm gonna be honest. I was down real bad after this movie. I was like, I can't wait for Venom to where I'm just happy <laughs> and just something exciting and not emotional. Yeah. Um, this handled it the worst out of all three of those in my opinion. And the conversation about mental health and how it addresses it, like it feels outdated. And like the thing with Evan and all the like the videos, it almost felt like the what the fucking thing with all the the famous people singing. yeah you know what i'm talking about right the believe or whatever yeah it almost felt like that where it was like uh, okay like and and there's ways to go about it in the scene with um the the president girl who did all the clubs and stuff where she's like oh well let me start what medication are you on like that no one talks like that yeah especially not if you have anxiety and shit and like the way they handled it I-, I like their overall message and I like what they are trying to achieve by it but I think the way they they talked about it and addressed the mental health aspect of it wasn't the best and I like what they are trying to achieve and I like their overall goal and I like explaining you know how everything worked out and this and that but it I don't know you know yeah i I think so, like, some of the the critiques on this film are similar to what you're saying, but I, I think... I mean, this was also based off a book, I believe. Um, okay. Now that I'm researching it more, and I, I knew that. Um, I think... It was a book, and then a play, and then a movie. Yes. I believe so. I don't know. This is terrible radio. Um, I'm trying to find it right now. Critical response. A musical has received acclaim. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I think there's... There's a way to do that, not a way to do this, but I, I think that the point is because some of the critics, like I'm reading here on the Wikipedia, um, let's see, some critics argue that it romanticizes or sanitizes mental illness by not naming Evan's diagnosis, um, social anxiety or Asperger's, is speculated. It also suggests that the show glorifies suicide with questions about Connor's death and whether or not Evan's suicide attempt was intentional. Um they did make it very more obvious in the movie that it was intentional than the play I believe. Um Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now <laughs> I I think there's almost like a way to do this where like, yeah, there's like the the heartwarming like, you know, it's okay to be socially, you know, have this anxiety and you know, all these other disorders whatever. And I think there's a way where they maybe were just trying to paint it as a very realistic, you know, again, lying about being friends with someone, but just kind of like a realistic like this guy has problems and you know, this is kind of how it it happens and like not trying to build it up and have it be this big, like, you know, like, like, like we said earlier, um, they find out it's fake and there's no like redeeming quality. Like even yeah. in the movie, there was much more redeeming when uh Evan found the, the video of the, you know, him playing at rehab and it's a song and he sent it to his family. That didn't happen in the film. There wasn't so much re- redemption. So I, I don't know if it was almost an attempt just to be more raw, more so than like this, like, feel good you know which that is a that is a line to toe because if it's someone with social anxiety whatever watches it there might be like a little sense of like you know maybe you want that storybook ending but if you're someone who doesn't have it maybe like something like this almost makes it more you know feel real i guess i don't know yeah i i think it wasn't even like the way they portrayed it it is what it is they they really just didn't address um connor Mm -hmm. and like him like he isn't a part of the the movie at all, despite being the main center revolving part of it mm-hmm. um zero yeah and i I'm assuming that's how it is in the play, like it just happens, and it's basically how Evan you know reacts to this event yeah but they don't really go into the event at all um but it, it was more the conversation surrounding it that just felt outdated the the group and the online commentary and it felt fake it felt like a like a fucking movie as opposed to how (laughs) someone would really you know how like real world reaction and commentary on something like this would be yeah i mean maybe that's a product of it turning into a movie because there is there is a it is a bit more raw when you and when it's a play and there's not so much you know it's a very i mean like i said they had a cool set with like the phones and everything but it's still you don't have all these different you know scenes and you don't yeah you know, so maybe that's an impact. Um, What's possible? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, it definitely brings awareness one, one way or the other. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, the musical was adapted into a young adult novel. So after the fact. So it was not originally a book. Yeah. He's probably started writing it in like 2012, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, cinematography, though. Let's keep moving here, Jay. What'd you give it? I got to go back to my scale. Hold you on, t- I gave it a 10. Okay, I gave it a, a 12. So I thought everything was it was fine um, in terms of just, like, the sets and everything. Yeah. I thought they could have maybe got a little bit more creative with, like, the phones and everything. Like, they had this really cool, adaptive um, set in the theater. And then on this, they kind of just, like, were phone screens on a black screen. They all came together. It looked kind of cheap. Looks like something we could have done. 100%. Um, which maybe that was the intent. I don't know. It looked um, like one of the high schoolers made it. <laughs> Um, but mostly, I think what I kind of had a problem with, and this is very goes in with the key elements, is this just doesn't play well as a movie. And I talked about this before that we recorded with you. And you look at the the musicals that are successful, or at least the musical films that are successful. You have things like Footloose. You have things like Grease. You have things like uh, Hairspray. La La Land. You have things like La La Land, which I don't even know what narrative you're trying to fit here. I'm just I'm just yelling. Well, like I, I haven't seen La La Land, so you might this might go with my point or might go against it. it. So um, there's all these things almost have a way to take you out of the very serious plot and make it a point that it's a musical, whether it's dancing like we saw in, um, In the Heights, you know, there's, like, these big elaborate dancing scenes where, yeah, there's, like, this real story, but then they start singing, and you have these big elaborate dancing scenes. And even, like, the Salon song, like, you have, like, moving pieces at the camera, and it's, like, it looks like a production. It's not a movie with music. It's a musical, which is a difference. That hurts the realism, and I'm sure I gave uh, In the Heights maybe a little bit less of a plot slash story grade. Um, I actually gave it the same, okay. Um, It might hurt some of the realism, but it also – it goes into that key element more where it's, like, okay – you can kind of separate this i mean there's either dancing la la land i'm sure there's some sort of maybe dancing or whatever the case is i don't know oh well, yeah it's full of dancing full of large set pieces the opening number of it is people stuck in tra- stuck in traffic on the freeway and getting out of their cars and dancing over the cars and everything <laughs> that's how the movie starts whereas this this is a production which it works great in the on the stage but it's very it's meant to be very intimate it's not a lot of elaborate things you have the screens and stuff but that doesn't always have you know have a play in the, in the scenes. And there's just a lot of intimate moments. Like there's, you know, songs they took out, like there's a song with the two moms, which was actually one of the best songs. I'm kind of upset. They took that out. Um, you know, and there's like a song with the dad and Evan Hansen about the glove. There's that glove scene in the movie. There's actually a song that goes with that. And it's very intimate in a movie setting. It just, it's not as it, it takes you out of it for the wrong reason, you know, cause they're yeah. at the dinner table and he just starts singing. And it's just kind of like you see these people like they show Rachel Adams. Rachel Adams? Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Amy Adams just staring at him and Zoe just staring at him while he's like singing. And it's almost like I'm thinking like, is he actually singing? Is he playing this up for the movie and he's just talking? Are they just listening to this guy with a beautiful voice and no one's going to comment on his beautiful fucking voice? Like (laughs) the first scene – was was different you know they they had him singing in like the the gym and everything and then they cut to him just sitting there and it was more like in his mind yeah i was fine with how they did that one but there was too much of like i'm just gonna break out into song right now and it was it was isolated it's not everyone yeah. else is a part of it and dancing around and yeah the most choreography they had is people walking down a hallway singing yeah and the best song adapted to this i thought even though you know you will be found is a very emotional song I liked the song, the the Dear Evan Hansen song or the Sincerely Me song, where it's him and it's uh, Connor, and it's like the the fake emails writing. Yeah, to each that was other. the only one where that was fully fucking musical, like out of the realm of realism. And it was the one that played the best. It was also my probably my favorite song from the play, so that helps. But that one played the best because of what they did with it. The rest, I just didn't really like what they did with it. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely can see what you mean by that. All the other musicals talked about, all the other ones you like, it's it's not one person doing this. Everyone's kind of like escapism for a moment. Yeah. Whereas this, it's not. Yeah. And I think that is, you're right, to try and keep that intimate setting, whereas a musical, you're there, you're with the people, you can physically see them and you know, kind of feel that energy. And so it plays different. You don't need all that. Yeah. As opposed to a movie where you're just, it's people on a screen. And you have to find a way to create that energy through the screen, which they didn't. And it's why I think a film like Hamilton a musical like Hamilton. I don't know how that would translate to a, an actual movie and they didn't go that direction. They went the direction of let's just film the fucking play and put it on Disney plus maybe dear Evan Hansen would have played better if they did that. Now, you know, it is what it is. You know, they didn't do that. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of too late to do that. You know, Lynn was kind of ahead of his time for that. Um, but you know, I think that would have played better like that. And I think the same thing as great as Hamilton is as awesome as it is, you know, it's a lot about the rap and the music and there's like no dialogue in Hamilton at all. It's just song after song after song. And, that, just, would, that would be a hard one to adapt to a movie. Uh, yeah, I just don't think it could be done. Yeah. Which is why the way they did it was probably the best way. and I'm sure they had those conversations. And I'm sure it's really hard to go from Broadway. I mean, look at Cats. Cats is a fucking bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you know, a very well-received play that when you put it on the big screen, it's shit. Mm. I, I haven't watched it. Did you watch it? No. That's good. Riley wanted to see it in theaters when it was out. She's like, come on, it'll be great to go see how bad it is. And I was like, <laughs> no. Um, I don't know if I ever gave my score. I gave it a 12. Yeah, you did. And okay. In the Heights, I mean, it's a it's a perfect example. Just recently came out. You know, I wouldn't say the music is exponentially better. in in the Heights, I would argue maybe Dear Evan Hansen has better music. Yeah. We'll wait for the next category. Um, well, you'll be surprised by me then. Um, but that got a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, where we look at Dear Evan Hansen with like a thirty three, I think it is. Yeah, thirty three. Granted, it has an eighty nine audience. So the audience it was playing to, which is the the musical. I mean, most people who reviewed this in Rotten Tomatoes probably liked the musical and went and saw it. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Um, so of course that's going to be good. But like, In the Heights was more critically acclaimed, and it, it had that. It had a story. I mean, so did Dear and Evan Hansen, but it also implemented those musical, you know, elements in a in a better way. I think. And the the, you know, the score shows that. Within the lines would not be possible without Anchor by Spotify. Let's get back to the pod. Okay, what'd you give it for key elements? I gave it an eight. Really? And this is my perspective of seeing it on Broadway. Okay. Um, not to brag. Um, <laughs> just the 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 comparison how they took it from from Broadway to the film. I thought they just they dampened it so much in terms of the music the yes. yes. The key elements being being mostly the music. Um, I still like the songs. It got an eight, um, you know, because they're the same songs. But a, they took out two of my favorite songs, so that obviously is going to hurt it. B, like, I just like they have like, I'm just saying a, like a lot. On Broadway, it's so emotional. Like I said, it's so intimate and it's so raw, and you have like this kind of raw moments where, as like I said, with the the visuals and the cinematography, it just took me out of it on this. And it's like all that emotion. Like I said, I still felt the emotion of the story, but all the emotion I did see on Broadway where I probably did cry and, you know, just the whole thing just feels heavy and like it's supposed to. And I just, I I don't think it translated very well. And again, that's coming from a perspective where I saw what it was supposed to look like versus what it turned into. So I I think just looking at it objectively without any other comparing or anything, well, not even comparing, but expectations. Yeah. The music's great. Yeah. I like the the music itself. uh, The music's emotional. The songs are great. They're, you know, unlike The Prom, where we can't remember a single fucking song now, Um, all of these songs are fantastic. Yeah. I don't think that was ever the issue with this, was the music. And, I, you know, obviously it was an award-winning Broadway thing because of the music. Um I, I gave it a 16. <laughs> the, the music's fantastic. And I even told you, there were some songs that, like, I heard and I knew before the play, or before the movie, where I didn't like them as much because I didn't know the context. Yeah. Um The song about him and Connor and... Um, Two friends or yeah. whatever that song, like I was like, ah, this is a good song, good vibes, and then you find out it's just a fucking lie. <laughs> good vibes, <laughs> it's just a fucking lie because you just hear the song without context, you're like, okay, and then you watch <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is all bullshit. Um, you know, I it makes me like it less, but the songs are still very, very good. Um, sixteen because I, the emotional stuff didn't land as hard as as maybe it could have, and pr- how it probably does in the musical. Or in the in the play as opposed to the movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the music was not the issue for me at all. Uh, I would have liked, like you said, like the dancing stuff, like they did with the One Connor song. That obviously would that was the to problem it. though. They couldn't because that wasn't what the play was. Like they would have completely changed it. That's why I'm saying it was just a hard thing to adapt. Yeah, I think 100. Um, but for me, the music was not the issue at all. I don't know. This might be unfair by me now that I think about it. But it's almost like, and it, it is unfair. But it's like the music was already great you know what I mean? Like I, like all they did was plug in the music to this already great music. And they added two songs, which I was whatever about. And they took out two songs that I really liked. And I just, I don't know. I, I just, I get where you're coming from, but I think like for our scale, you gave the prom a higher score than eight on key elements. I know. It oh, fact. no, I did, but I, I retroactively changed that. So that's okay. Um, and just instead of comparing it against maybe the, the Broadway thing and like, well, they just plug the songs in like, yeah, they would have got shit on if they didn't do that. That's what everyone came to see. Yeah. Um just comparatively to the other stuff we reviewed, for me this is it's up there. The music's fantastic. That's not going to change. Fair. Um maybe the emotional, the the actual musical part of it didn't land as much as I would have liked and like I said some of the the stuff felt cheesy in the way they were trying to talk about mental health. Yeah. Which, obviously, is a huge part of this. Like, that is a key element in this. Yeah. Um, So, you know, 16. I I mean, I'll 16, 17. Music's fantastic. (laughs) That's fair. Characters, though, Jay. I gave it a 13. Give it an 11. Ben Platt was better than I thought. You know, I said he was too good looking to be this, and I was wrong. Um, He wasn't great, but he was better than I thought. I gave it an 11. Um, I didn't like his portrayal. Of, Why so like the anxiety aspect of it if, and like the when he couldn't talk to people and it kind of felt fake. OK, it didn't feel authentic. Um, And, you and overdid it. Y- yeah. OK. And I think because obviously like people with anxiety and stuff like it's not always shown and maybe it's like inner stuff where they feel like shit, but they're not like it's very rare where someone's like nervously twitching and like I, 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 yeah. Yeah. that's not real. Yeah. And the whole point of this is trying to tell an authentic emotional story. That doesn't happen. They just won't talk. Um, There's, you know, inner things and their heart starts racing and, you know, shit like that happens. But it's not that. Um, Definitely was played up in the film for sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing where on stage maybe you have to do that to portray it. I don't even think it was that bad though on stage. That's why I'm saying. I think they did a lot of camera close-ups and played it up. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's fair. Um, (laughs) Yeah. My other thing is Amy Adams and Julianne Moore are two of like the best actresses in Hollywood. Uh huh. Um, they're both fucking incredible, like a warm, winning—I yeah. I mean, Sue—assume award-winning actresses. And they just—Amy Adams was very like—I didn't even realize that was her. She just didn't kind of put on some weight. It's all right. That's—I shouldn't say that, but, it's but that's real judgy, Jay. <laughs> um, it just didn't feel like they gave her anything. She was a one-off kind of. In Denial Mother. That's what the character was. That's fair, but yeah. you have these actresses and stuff, and, and you expect them to have these emotional, you know, authentic performances, and I feel like they were both kind of contained to what the characters were. Yeah, maybe just don't cast... You don't need these big names in those, yeah. those things. Because you see Amy Adams and Julianne Moore, and these are two fantastic actresses who do great performance and can show emotion and, and depth to characters. And Julianne Moore, I mean, she had the one scene... Um, you know, when they offered the money mm-hmm. and that was very good. You know what I mean? There was yeah. emotion to that and that was great, but that's all you get out of her. And you never even have that scene with Amy Adams. She's just in denial and upset the whole time. Yeah. And the, the most you get out of her is her telling Evan to leave Yeah, when he, you know, reveals everything. And it's like, don't, don't cast these big names in these things. If these characters are not, but that's how they're trying to get the money. <laughs> exactly. But that's going to hurt their score for me. Yeah. Because you cast these big names expecting incredible performances from two of the best actresses in Hollywood, and there's nothing for them to do. Yeah. Um, the the Zoe girl, was she was good. I like her. Um, the comedic relief dude, uh, I think his name's Jared. His friend. He was worse in this than the actual play, but that's okay. Really? Yeah, he was just funnier in the play. Yeah, I mean, and you said that he's, like, there throughout the play more and has more. He was in it more, yeah. At least I remember. Uh, he was... You know, when he was on screen, he made me laugh on this. Mm-hmm. He did his purpose, and the Alana girl didn't again. Didn't love how they used her. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like she didn't have the whole mental health thing in the in the play as well, and that also felt very inauthentic on how they approached it. Yeah. So overall, while I I don't, I'm gonna drop this down to a ten. Even, it's just. I don't hate it. I just, there's nothing to like out of it. And I can't completely shit on it and be like, well, you cast big name actresses. So give me a w- Oscar winning performances. Like it doesn't have to be that every time. Yeah. But there wasn't enough for these characters to do. Did you mention Zoe? Zoe? Cause I thought she was really good. That was the only one I said I liked. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I thought she was good. I enjoyed her on screen. Um, And, and while she did look uh, just while we're here, she did look younger than Evan Hansen significantly. Yeah. It, it didn't take me out of it. No. Um, there was at no point where I was like, this is a grown man. This is weird. And that I, was the thing everyone kind of said going into it. I never really had an issue. I will say they're not that different in age. She turns 25 in December. He's 28. So, And I will say, though, she looks a lot younger. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Holland's also 25, and he effortlessly plays a high school student. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, no, I thought she was really good. I think she, I like everything I've seen her in. Um, I think she's going to be a great actress. What else have I known Book smart. smart. That's that. She's fucking great in that. Um, yeah, I like her a lot. No, she she was solid. She birthplace Phoenix, Arizona. I saw the movie in her birthplace. Nice. Um, like I said, Evan Hansen. I, I was fine with Ben Platt. Maybe I think I had such low expectations for him for reasons that honestly weren't even that fair. My reasons being he was too attractive to play this role. <laughs> um, which you know he kind of got an egg eggplant shaped head. He does. Um, so good for him. You know he. I thought he was fine in it. I don't like how they changed the dad character to a stepdad, but I get why they did it because the whole kind of the deeper story, which I mean, they do address it, but it's like the different ways of grieving. You have the sister who kind of hated her brother and is like mad about it. You have the mom, who's just the the grieving mother who will believe anything, you know, wants to feel good. And then you have the dad who's just kind of like unattached, you know what I mean? Kind of deal. Um, I I think they could have got that from the dad or stepdad. I, I just think, they probably either talked about it or they did some sort of screening, and there was probably some idea that the audience wouldn't receive it as well if that was his actual father that was so like unattached from it. Just you know, you know how the, these things are. I mean, Anchorman had like a thirty percent before they brought Baxter back. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and they, that one little change moved it up to like a seventy or whatever it was. You know, I don't want to yeah. say thirty percent, but it screened yeah, poorly. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was a the decision they might have made. I don't know if I liked it because they kind of – they threw in that whole his dad was dead when he was three and everything. And, like, almost as, like, justification as why he maybe had anxiety, which, like, you don't have to have a dead parent to no. have these problems. And that's, that's again, part of, like, the inauthentic, yeah you know, communication with this uh, and how they're trying to portray, like, mental health in it for me. Um, but I, I will say I, I liked the dad actor. Yeah, I thought he was fine as an act as acting. Yeah, um, like I said, the only moment I cried was when he finally fucking broke. He <laughs> um, got me
1: one yeah.
2: one single tear, and I sucked that fucker back in. <laughs> um, seeing the movie by yourself, yeah. Um, so I liked him. Uh, I, I I don't know if it needed to be the stepdad or what, if yeah. it changes it. I think the parallel between Evan's real dad leaving and his Connor's real dad being there and you know being what Evan wanted yeah. could have played better than. Well, Connor also lost his real dad, but then the stepdad stepped in. And I mean, maybe the stepdad stepped in was the dad Evan never had who stepped in after his dad left. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of parallel storytelling. Mm -hmm. Because there was a lot of that where it was like, these two are both struggling despite the fact that their situations were aggressively different. Yeah. You know, Connor came from a rich family with a, a, you know, sister who's a part of all, you know, has a bunch of friends and stuff and the mom's always doing shit and the dad's successful and. Evan came from a home where his dad left. His mom's always working. He has yeah. no family and siblings. It's just him. Yeah. And they're still in the same spot, which I think that part's good. Like it can be fucking anyone. Yeah. Um, but I Which know. was the, the great part of the original. Um, and they changed it. Enjoyment. I gave it a 14. I still kind of, I still enjoyed it. Yeah. 13. Um, wasn't as good as the Broadway, but I mean, I, I it was what it was. Um, I still enjoyed it. It was still, it still made me a little emotional. Yeah, it's like I said, it was confusing for me because there's so much of it that like I, I really didn't like, but there's a lot that I really did like. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, some of the emotional moments were very emotional. Yeah. Some of them felt inauthentic. Some of them felt this way. You know, the story was good. It was bad. It was confusing. Um, it could have been a lot better. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. But, you know, it kind of ends middle of the road right there. I um, I gave it a 59. That feels tough. I, it's, it's what That's it is. the music. That's you shitting on the music too much. I'll say it. You're going to look back and you'll be like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have gave it that low of a score. I feel fine with that. I think a 59 is right where it belongs in I, my heart. I give it a 65 Um, for a final score. 62 out of 100 ranking it 64th out of 91 movies we've reviewed now, putting it in between An American Pickle and Wonder Woman 1984, just slightly above The Prom. That's not right. (laughs) Our scale is flawed. No, it's not. Our scale's great. You gave Dear Evan Hansen a 59. You gave The Prom 64. Yeah, it is what it is, Ty. I gave The Prom a 57. I gave Dear Evan Hansen a 65. It is what it is, buddy. You liked the prom more than this movie, Jay? I don't remember. It's been a long time. Okay. Okay. I'm just gonna leave that with. Just gonna leave that there for you to ponder, because the prom is a shit movie. This is an My okay. My enjoyment movie. was probably lower, but enjoying isn't the whole score, now is it? Music's better. Story's better. Eh, story might not be better. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 62, sixty-two, sixty-fourth. We've done ninety-one movies. We're fucking. We're coming up on hundred, Jay. Yep and Nick. like obviously we've done 100 but they aren't part of our scale we're coming up on 100 on our scale yeah and this movie falls below the line 64 and a half it did not reach that threshold did for you yeah, barely it. reached it uh it was under for me feels like right where it belongs overall below the line i'd probably give it a rotten um as mean as that is it's just it is um Armin white also gave it a rotten how does that make you feel you're um, same as him fine because his reasonings are always stupid <laughs> can, can you tell me what this even means Dear Evan Hansen glorifies in millennial fragmentation. Pasek and Paul celebrate how divided we are. Our individuality and insularity are sentimentalized. Sentimentalized. It's like, I think this isn't a real person. It's just an AI program designed to put words down. (laughs) Yeah. It's just got like keywords and it just circles them through different phrases. And I don't even know what that means. No one does. He doesn't. His title, Dear Evan Hansen, bursts Broadway's bubble. Oh, so smart. The movie version of Dear Evan Hansen illustrates almost everything that's wrong with the contemporary Broadway musical. It's the product of an artistic hub so limited in perspective and attitude that, is re- it, that it has recently become a political bubble. Cotier members communicate among themselves and then sell elitist rhetoric to wide-eyed, gullible tourists. I fucking hate this guy. That makes no sense. I... Yeah. I don't know. Next week, Jay. Venom let there be carnage uh, I had it farther down in our thing they, they changed the release date forgot to change that in our schedule we were gonna see Mini saints in Newark yeah I have uh, no interest in seeing that well we still need to review it um next well, week there's no time to die next week bond's way bigger than a then we push bond back a week I think if there's another big movie that the lost Sopranos in the 15th, are way bigger than the Bond movies. No are you me? fucking yes. chance. Yes, way. Just because you're you're a fucking American, Jay. We this is we are Americans. How many people listen to this podcast from fucking England? I don't know. Um, Bond's bigger than the Sopranos. No way. We'll still, uh, we'll... Sopranos has been done for like a fucking decade. Exactly. That's why there's so much intrigue. Yeah, and it's not even getting that good of reviews. It's not even that good of a spinoff, apparently. And we've never even seen Sopranos. Why would we care? Because it's a big deal. We'll see what does better in the box office. Probably Bond because it's not even say, it's of not even is be is also on HBO. It's not even going to be close. Bond's going to blow it out of the fucking water. It's James How- Bond. I haven't seen a single James Bond movie. I've seen a few, but I'm very aware of the brand. It's like one of the biggest fucking franchises of all time. Nah, it's dead now. Jay, there's been like five different fucking Bond guys. This thing's gone across decades. I think you think the James Bond movies are bigger than they are.
0: I think you don't...
2: What do you think the top James Bond movie did at the box office? I don't know, probably like a couple hundred, 250 mil. That's not even that much. 300 is the top. Yeah, they're not fucking... It's just a huge franchise. Huge is only 300 mil for your top movie? Well, yeah, because it's fucking been going on forever, and a lot of that was um, inflation. That was 2012. Adjust for inflation. That was 2012. (laughs) Well, yeah, not a lot of people like the newer installment. Bond's a huge franchise. I don't care what you say, you're not going to... Bond is one of the top ten franchises of all time, probably. In Sopranos terms of is like popularity. regarded as the best TV show of all time. It's been done for like a decade. That's why so it's in intrigued, Ty. Who cares? You're really discrediting the Sopranos right now. Who cares? Okay, whatever you say, bud. <laughs> but either way, we're doing Venom first. Um Let there be carnage. Hopefully I have a prediction good. for this m- movie. Okay. Um, this is how it's gonna end. Well, maybe not end, but this is how Now, right, just before you say that, are you talking like end of the movie or a post credit? No, like the how he defeats Carnage. Got it. Continue. Um, Venom is not going to be able to defeat Carnage. Um, Tom Hardy's character, help me here. Uh, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock is going to have to defeat whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Cletus Cassidy. Cletus. Yeah. It's going to be some bullshit where Eddie Brock's going to have to do be the one that – Like the symbiotes and the people break apart. Venom some and Carnage bullshit. are fighting. Eddie Brock and Cletus Cassidy fight. Eddie Brock defeats him. Or it, Venom and Eddie come together to win the day. It's going to – here's what's going to happen is there's going to be a fight scene. I mean, this is very predictable. There's going to be a fight scene. Carnage is going to fuck up Venom. Maybe Venom's dead. I don't know. I don't know. But Carnage is going to win, and then it's going to be like this whole thing where Eddie Brock's like, oh, fuck. What am I going to do? Yeah, I'm almost positive that uh, comic book fans are going to be unhappy with the ending. Um, Either way, it's going to be a situation where Venom just doesn't beat Carnage. It's Eddie Brock somehow outsmarting or – Showing a, a heroic effort. Some bullshit like that. Guaranteed. They have to. Because like in the comic book, Spider-Man and Venom have to team up.
1: To, to stop carnage. carnage.
2: Yeah. Maybe they don't even defeat him. Maybe he just defeats. It's a pause. Cassidus Clay, Cassius Clay, whatever his name is. And the Carnage symbiote is just kind of like, they tease it at the end credit scene where like the symbiote's still alive. Like you have Clay's dead body, but then you have the symbiote kind of like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a disgusting noise. You just made into the mic. <laughs> Um, I'm just saying there was, like, fan, fan, I don't know, it was, like, early screenings. Mm-hmm. Lots of eye emojis for the post credit scene. Well, yeah, it's going to 100% set up the multiverse and whatever. The Sony, yeah. Whether that's Tom, whether that's Vulture. I don't think it's Morbius, Tom yet. I don't think it is either. Yeah. But 100% could see Vulture. J. Jonah Jameson, maybe? He gets a job at the Daily Press, or Daily Bugle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that, because he's, like, a, 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 I mean, he that's, yeah. In Spider-Man Three, he worked there All with Peter. End Parker. credit scene. End credit scene. Here's my prediction. Whatever happens, blah blah blah. They could they could let Carnage kind of just exist, and they could eventually come back to it if they even want to. End credit scene. Some with Tom Hardy. I don't I don't care what happens. He goes in for a job interview. Like you said, it's the Daily Bugle. It's J. Jonah Jameson, and he was and he's like, says something like, "I have this kid. I need you to follow around, or I need you know this person. I need more information on. Blah blah blah." And he slides him a picture of, like Tom Holland or something, you know what I mean? I'm gonna need like something on, to explain why he's in that universe. Puts him on that that uh, on that story. He gets assigned to Tom Holland as Spider Man or Peter Parker yeah. as Spider Man. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're not gonna explain in the end credit scene why he's in that universe. That's what all the fu- that's what the next Spider Man movies for Ty. It's true. Why the fuck is Vulture in the Morbius trailer? <laughs> I haven't seen Morbius yet, Jay. I, I wouldn't know Mobius. No, it is Morbius. Yeah, yeah. Mobius is uh Loki. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hopefully it's good. I have low expectations for this movie. Yeah, me too. The post... Have you seen the posters? Um, I'm sure I have. They're the worst-looking fucking photoshops I've ever seen. Look at Venom There Will Be Carnage posters. The one with his teeth? Like it's his mouth? Well, no, it's like... There's, like the, there's the one where it's like half Eddie Brock, half Venom, or half Woody Harrelson, half Carnage. It looks... I see the half Carnage, half So bad. Oh, yeah, here's the half Venom. It looks so shitty and Photoshopped. And, like, the face Woody Harrelson's making in the half and half for the Carnage is so cringe. He's he's fucking Sideshow Bob, bro. It looks... I want this to be good, and I'm hoping that I'm wrong. Bold prediction, it's not a very good movie. The first one wasn't a banger of itself. It was fun, but it wasn't great. Visuals look like shit in that one, too. So I'm hoping this one's better. That's why I asked you, is it even IMAX worthy? Really? Uh, I mean, that's all they got going for it. They probably got the budget now. They tested <laughs> a Venom, first one made some money. They said, let's go big. I don't know what the budget is for it. I'll tell you right now, Ty. Budget. Dummy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this would be easily... Excuse me on the Wikipedia, and it's not. Uh, budget searching how much did it what is budget for random t- oh, only 90 million all right we've been rambling to wrap up the pod random rotten tomatoes movie score tie today we reviewed dear evan hansen do you remember the film dear john with channing tatum yes um channing tatum i don't and think i've ever seen it. Seifrey, Se- Se- Is he Seifrey? like a military dude um yeah it's pretty much i think he's in the military and she like writes some letters that's why it's all dear john it's like a love oh. story Um, When soldier John Tyree meets an idealistic college student, Savannah Curtis, it's the beginning of a strong romance. Over the next seven tumultuous years, and separated by John's increasingly dangerous deployment, the lovers stay in touch through their letters, meeting in person only rarely. However, their correspondence triggers consequences that neither could foresee. This is such a fucking woman porn book. 138 reviews. PG-13, 2010, (sighs) hour and 47 minutes. 43%. Mm, 28 percent yeah that's fair i thought the horny woman would be on here giving a good review 28 percent, 55 audience that's it yeah i just there's always a market where people are just not gonna like these well so it's 55 percent audience hold on hold on hold on percentage of women <laughs> <laughs> um oh so- men there's more men in the world how about that oh is there it says 49.6 percent women in 2017 it's a struggle for guys out here yeah we're all fighting for the women ty i'm in a committed relationship i'm not fighting for any woman me too but i feel bad for the guy who ain't (laughs) that's all i got for you ty uh yeah venom next week after that james bond not sopranos um in the meantime be a good friend everybody